getting the foundation right is important. Yeah. The last two chapters of Colossians are, Colossians 3 and 4, that is, are like instructions for building your life, if you like. Uh, But before we start building, we have to get the foundation right. Before you start building a godly life, you need to know what supports it, what grounds it, what makes it possible. But before we jump into Colossians 3 and 4, there's a bit of a warning, because things are not always as they appear. Okay, it's a bit of a joke. It's just a slopey street, right? Christianity is a radically different way of seeing the world. That's one of the things we need to realize this morning. Following Jesus is unlike any other religion. It's unlike any other philosophical system, and we need to see that. We need to see that first. We need to have our minds changed. Before we can start living a godly life, we need to get the foundation right, but we need to have our perspective changed. We need to see the world the way God sees it. So that's the purpose of of this morning's passage, that's the purpose of this sermon, is to show us that true foundation for a godly life. Uh, And what is that foundation? Well, let's read on. So this passage this morning is Colossians 3, 1 to 4, and it's a really important passage because it's it's the hinge of Colossians. It's the turning point in the book. It takes everything that comes before it in chapters 1 and 2, and it makes it the foundation for what comes after it. Its position in the middle of the book makes it important, but its content makes it yet more important. It shows us clearly what makes our faith unique. It's only a short passage, just four short verses, but nothing that comes next in Colossians makes any sense without us, without it. These are the four verses that give us the right foundation. It begins like this. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. And we already need to stop because we just need to realize the significance of these three short words, raised with Christ. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. What does that mean? If you look in verse 3, it says, you died and now your life is hidden with Christ. So raised with Christ is like dying and then coming back to life. But what does that mean? We are so used to it, right? We sit in church all day and we hear this. So we're like, oh, I died. Seems legit. But it's extreme language. Paul says, you died. And we go, no, it didn't, actually. Not yet, anyway. What's he getting at? What's he trying to show us? You died. You died. Well, this is Paul's summary of everything that has come before. Everything glorious in Colossians 1 and 2, he brings it to bear right here. By this point in Colossians, we've just run out of words. These these words, raised with Christ, brought to life with Jesus, they're wonderful enough in themselves, but they bring with them here everything else. All the joy and wonder and riches of Colossians uh, 1 and 2, everything we've been reminded of earlier in the service, all the glory of Christ, the joy of salvation, the great riches in the gospel, everything that Paul has so clearly held up for us to see. Colossians is full of such wonderful things. And here Paul rolls them all up into one declaration and hits us with it. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Raised with Christ. Who is Christ? Christ, the image of the invisible God. Christ, the fullness of deity in human form. Christ, who lived and died and lives again. 
Paul holds up Christ to us in all his glory. Don't get distracted by false teachers, he says. Don't listen to anyone who wants, you, wants to take you away from Jesus. Where else would you turn? What else could you possibly want? Jesus, the one who reconciles all things to God, the one who makes peace by his blood, the risen king of the kingdom of light. Since then you've been raised with Christ. And this same king is also the one who saves us. Since then you've been raised with Christ. You have been raised. Paul reminds us, over and over, of everything that we've received in Christ. God is the one who's transferred us out of the dominion of darkness into his kingdom of light. Uh, We were enemies of God, but now we're reconciled. We were dead, but God made us alive. We died with Christ, but now here we've been raised with Christ. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. One sentence which carries with it all the riches of the gospel. Don't let it pass over you. This is Paul's summary of his message. You died! God has saved you. God has rescued you. The change is so complete, it's like you died. You died to the old life. You died to sin and death and slavery. And you've been raised. Raised to a new life. Raised to a new life with Christ. You are so bound to Christ now that Christ is your life. Since then, You have been raised with Christ. It's so important to stop this morning and be reminded of that. In the daily grind, we easily forget. Just just all the mundane things of life, the things down here, they cloud our eyes. But Paul wants to pull back the veil on reality. He says, this truth, this reality, it it is still hidden right now. See verse 4, your life is hidden with with Christ. It's still hidden, but don't doubt its certainty because one day Jesus will return in glory and you will be with him dressed in his perfect glory. He wants to pull back that veil to show us the way things truly are. Your life right now is hidden with Christ. You've been raised with Christ. Right now your life is hidden with him and one day you'll appear with him in glory. This is everything great from Colossians, isn't it? There's everything wonderful that we've already seen. All those spectacular truths that just poured over us. Everything that Paul has been trying to show us, Christ is all. What could anyone else possibly give you that compares? When Paul says, since you've been raised with Christ... That is what he's bringing with him. This is the message of salvation. To die with Jesus in his death, to rise with him to life, and to walk with him forever. That is Colossians 1 and 2. Beyond hope and by the grace of God, you, you, have been raised with Christ. But now, having laid that foundation, here in chapter 3, Paul's ready to continue. He's ready to move on. Since you have been raised with Christ, since you have been raised, set your hearts on things above. Paul has shown us what God has done for us. Now he turns his attention to our response. Set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. And this is where we need to be careful. This is the moment where we have to get the foundation right. You see, Paul says, don't set your mind on earthly things. And straight away we go, oh, earthly things. That's in verse 5. And we go down to verse 5, we say, right... 
put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed. But that would be a mistake. Rushing straight to verse 5 is a mistake. That's the message of this passage. It's like trying to build the house before the foundation. Don't get me wrong. Verse 5 is important. Its message is don't sin, and that is important. It's crucial. But don't sin is from verse 5. Don't sin is next week's sermon. Right? You guys get it. Understanding what earthly means is important. Understanding the nature of sin is important. Understanding the need to be rid of it. All that is crucial. But we go into depth on all those things next week. There's something more important Paul wants us to see first. Something foundational. Something that grounds all of that. We need to build the foundation first. What is this foundation? Simply that everything we do for God is because we are already raised in Christ. We set our hearts and minds on things above, on not unearthly things, because we are already raised with Christ. We put to death the earthly nature, we clothe ourselves with compassion, because we are already raised with Christ. God in His grace has already transferred you into His kingdom. You are not in the dominion of darkness anymore. You don't sin because that is not who you are anymore. Now this is nothing new, and I hope that none of you are surprised. But I also hope you can see how backwards this is, how ridiculous it is. Can you see what I mean? Paul will not tell us what to do until he has told us why to do it. But when it comes, the why is all backwards. If we had no knowledge of God, we would expect him to say, Ah, I'm glad that you've already put to death the earthly nature, so now I will raise you with Christ. We would, we would expect him, with earthly minds, we would expect him to say, Ah, I see that you've been keeping your eyes on things above, and so now I will reward you by raising you with Christ. And we go, Ah, oh, we know that's not how the gospel of grace works. But that is how every philosophy, every religion, every legal system, that's how it works. But what does Paul say? Exactly the opposite. Exactly the opposite. While we were enemies... Christ died to make us friends. While we were sinners, he paid our penalty. While we were dead, he made us alive. That's what raised means. In mercy and grace, before we did anything to deserve it, God reached out and raised us up in Christ. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done or where you've come from. If you trust in God to save them, to save you in that moment, he'll raise you up in Christ. Those of us who trust in him, we are already Seated with him in the heavenly realms. That's in Ephesians. Our lives are hidden in him. That is reality. And it's only then, only once we are part of the kingdom, his family, that God calls us to live for him. To live up to the calling that he's already given us. To become what he has already made us. You are already raised with Christ. And that is why we live for Christ. This is what makes our faith unique. This is what makes God's grace so scandalous. In every other system, you're judged on what you do. And you receive rewards based on what you do. But with our God, he gives us the reward first. He brings us into his kingdom. He makes us his children. And that's why we live for him. Does living rightly get you into God's kingdom? No. If you trust in God, you've already been transferred into his kingdom. Salvation is only by God's grace through faith. Then, does living rightly mean you get to stay in God's kingdom? Again, no. God has adopted you into his family. 
It's, you're a child of his. It's not your actions that keep you there. So does that mean that living rightly is optional? If God won't kick you out of his family for doing the wrong thing, does that mean you can do whatever you want? Also, no, definitely not. You've been raised with Christ. You are already seated in the heavenly realms. Christ is your life. You're one with him. One day you will appear with him in glory. You're already a creature of heaven, a child of God. How can we even speak of continuing in sin? Christianity, it's not a transaction. It's not a bargain. It's not, I'll give you a bit of that and you give me a bit of this. It's not a legal decision. It's a relationship. I think of it like my relationship with my father. In a very deep sense, my relationship with him is not based on my behavior at all. I am, in fact, his son. That's a biological reality, but it's also an emotional reality as well. I don't, I don't think he could stop loving me if he tried. It wouldn't matter what I did. But by the same token, I actually have no intention of putting that love to the test. Not at all. I love and respect my father. I've got no desire at all to do anything that would hurt him or anger him. There's not the slightest temptation in me to take advantage of his love. And, and I, I don't think that makes me a special person. I think that just means that we love each other. That's, that's what love is. The reason... The reason I have not the slightest temptation at all is because I know him and I love him. He's not some sort of benefactor. He's my father. And I think that's how it works with God. I count myself so grateful to have a loving relationship with my father. But God is the greatest and most loving father possible. And it's only when we see that clearly. That's what makes our desire to sin evaporate. That's what Paul is trying to show us in Colossians to show us God's love, to show us his grace for us, to show us that right living is not some sort of bargain that we make with God. No, right living is the delight of the children of God. You have already been raised with Christ out of his great love and so live for Christ. You see how it works. Verse 5 must follow verse 1. Putting to death the earthly nature flows out of our resurrection with Christ. If we clearly understand God's love and what he's done for us, then it will be a joy and a delight to put to death the earthly nature. If we clearly see that we are raised in Christ, then sin loses its appeal. If we, but if we, don't, if we don't see Christ, if we don't understand God's love, then the earthly things will just so easily drag us away. If we don't know God, if we can't see his face, why should we do anything for him? And so, and so seeing Christ becomes so important. That's the lesson at its heart. That's the foundation we have to build before we can move on. You can see it here in verse 1. Paul doesn't say, ah, you were raised with Christ, so don't sin. He doesn't even say, you're raised with Christ, so live for Christ. Actually, he says, you're raised with Christ, so set your heart on things above. Set your heart, set your mind on things above. Fill your heart and mind with higher things, with the good news of salvation, with the grace and love of God, with your place, your identity, seated with Christ in heaven. Fill your eyes with Jesus himself, our Savior and our Brother. 
until your whole self is filled with things above, you're not ready to move on to next week's sermon. And neither am I. You're not ready to to go on to verse 5. You're not ready to try and put to death the earthly nature. You need to see who you truly are so that you can become who you already are in Christ. As a bit of an aside, I think this has implications for how we approach our society as well. What, What they need, what they really need, is Christ, actually. If they're to live whole lives, if they're to escape from the sin, but also the sort of emptiness and unfulfillment that seems to permeate our society, despite our riches, they need to be raised with Christ. Before they'll stop sinning, before they'll find what they're looking for, they need to set their minds on things above. But they can only do that if they've already been raised. So we as Christians, we can raise our voices on moral issues and on issues of justice, and I think we should. But if we don't also hold out Christ to a searching world, then all our talk is just worthless moralizing. When people meet us, they must encounter Christ, in word and deed, always both. But simply trying to just convince people that they're doing the wrong thing, it's like whitewashing the outside of a tomb. Unless they see Jesus, unless Christ changes them from the inside, there'll be no lasting value for them or us. And that's for us as well. The application of today's passage is not to jump too quickly to verse 5. The rest of Colossians is full of all sorts of valuable instructions for living. Things we need to hear. Things we need to put into practice. For sure. But before we do, we need to be clear on the order of things. One, we've been raised with Christ. Only by God's grace as a gift, we're brought to life, seated with Christ. That's always first. Two, set your heart and mind on things above. Fill your life with God and his love for you. See who you truly are. See yourself as God's child. See yourself as raised with Christ. And three, only then will you be able to put to death the, only, the earthly nature. Only then will you want to put it to death. One, we're raised with Christ. Two, set your heart and mind on things above. And then three, put to death the earthly nature. God has already raised you with Christ. So if you want to live for him, your first job is to set your heart and mind on things above. If you want to avoid sin, your first job is to set your heart and mind on things above. How can we do that? Fill your life with prayer. In private and in public, turn to God. Ask that Jesus might fill your lives as you live in the world around you. It's hard to bring him with you sometimes, but do it. Ask him to help you. Carry him with you. Soak in God's word. Take every opportunity to open it with your brothers and sisters. Read Colossians 1 and 2 again. Do it today. Be reminded of the greatness of Jesus and the wonder of gospel. Un- of the gospel. Unless we know Christ and see him clearly, all the other instructions in Colossians will be futile. And above all, remember that you are already raised with Christ, with all that that means. You're already seated with him. Your life is already hidden with him. Live your life out of the sure sure and certain knowledge. 
Since then, you have already been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Let me pray. Our gracious Lord Jesus, Thank you for the book of Colossians. Thank you for the way that it it does what we need. It holds you up so that you can fill our eyes and our hearts and our minds. Lord Jesus, we don't want anything else. And so this week I pray that you will uh, be with us, guard us and guide us, and help us to always keep our hearts and minds on things above. Give us the sure and certain knowledge that we are raised with you, hidden with you, children of you. And may that be the foundation that is under our whole lives. Amen.